Bonjour and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the no-fluff, actionable marketing podcast for people sick of marketing bullshit. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. After four years, 175 episodes recorded, 9,625 minutes of no-bullshit content published, and 1 million plus downloads reached, I felt it was time to shake things up a bit. You see... I want to help you radically stand out because I firmly believe it's the only way for you to succeed without marketing bullshit. So moving forward, each episode is going to be around 20 minutes long. Each episode is going to be super practical where I'm going to teach you one way to radically stand out that you can apply to your business today. I'm going to use snippets of past interviews, the lessons I've learned from my own experience and plenty of concrete examples. Oh, and one last thing. I'm also turning each of those episodes into the only newsletter focusing on differentiation and positioning so you can read at your own pace and remember the concept I'm teaching. If it's of interest, I hope you'll sign up today on everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'll also notify you when I launch new stuff and products and you can win rewards for referring other mavericks to the newsletter, like branded cups and t-shirts and posters and private group coaching and plenty of other nice little surprises. All right, on to the podcast. Icebergs are absolutely fascinating. They are made of pure fresh water between 10,000 and 15,000 calves every year. And the British, little known fact, uh, during World War II, tried to actually manufacture some to build untrickable plan carriers. And uh, that was a project called Project Habakkuk. And the last little fact I wanted to share with you is that due to the fact that they are pure ice water, while seawater is slightly heavier, around 7 eighths of the icebergs stay underwater, which is roughly 87.5%, while 12.5% stay above. So what does it have to do with marketing? What does it have to do with radical differentiation? Well, I think it's a very, very good analogy to get your company standing out or perhaps why you're struggling to make your company, your product radically stand out. Because no matter how many products you offer, how many messages you share out there, only a minority will show up at the surface and only a minority will make up the 12.5% above. Because very much like an iceberg, if you try to put it anywhere in sea, only roughly 12.5% will show up. And so even if you have many products, many messages, many ideas, many segments, you will always naturally have a minority that needs to be at the very top. In a sense, you need to work super, super hard to keep the tip of your iceberg as sharp, as shiny, as pointy as possible in order to break through what I would call the four great filters of marketing, which would be to get noticed, because if you don't get noticed, nothing happens, to get remembered, but that's not enough because not only do you need to be remembered, you also need to be remembered in buying situations while someone is thinking about your category, they need to think of you first, and then finally to be talked about because word of mouth is extremely important for your product or company to spread. Before I share with you how it looks like to actually create this tip of the iceberg in order to be noticed, I want to share a few mistakes that I see while keeping this analogy of the iceberg. So the first mistake I see is trying to show the entire iceberg. I see a lot where we say and show so many things at once. We try to share so many different value propositions. We try to focus on so many different segments. We try to offer so many different products. And it's basically like trying to show the entire iceberg to an audience. 
the truth is most of it will sink anyway. 87.5% will sink and you'll always have kind of this natural 12.5% that will show up. So this comes from a place of fear. You want to make sure everyone pays attention to what you offer, which is natural. And that's a fear I notice a lot from the participant in my program, Stand the Fuck Out. We ask yourself, what if we pick the wrong segment? What if we pick the wrong message? What if we pick the wrong channel? What if we pick the wrong segment or product? Let's just, you know, share everything at once, cram our homepage with as many products as as many value props as possible, because at the end of the day, this is the best way for, for us to be, to be seen because maybe this person is not going to visit the website again. It's kind of terrifying to go narrow. The market we pick, we feel it might be too small. We might miss out on sales. So let's just open it up and let's just share to everyone. It's a very counterproductive way to go about it. Because the more you say, the less will be processed. And that's the Miller's law in action. Humans have short-term memory with a duration of around 30 seconds. And we have a capacity to process between five to nine core ideas at any given time. And that's because our brain is trying to use as little energy as possible. It doesn't want to burn too many calories. And so you are probably asking way too much of the people going on your website or checking out your brochures or whatever else by trying to share everything and showing the entire iceberg. The other mistake I see a lot is trying to show too many icebergs, not only just one, but too many. And here it's all about being incongruent. It's about trying to share and promote products and ideas that might connect with each other, but are quite too far and trying to expect our people, our customers, potential customers to remember things and to create memory nodes in their brain of concepts that are quite different from one another. The best example I can give you would be, you know, the stereotypical digital agencies out there that sell web designs and web development and everything under the sun. And by opening up that much and showing that many icebergs, this is also something that is very counterproductive because it prevents the brain of the people you seek to serve to put you in a box, to create a simple node in their brain that connects with other nodes and to create proper memory structures so that they remember the next time they need something, they think of you first. If you try to make them think about too many things, it's never gonna happen. Remember the brain, it's trying to save as much energy as possible. I just wanna read two passages from the book, Building Distinctive Brand Assets by Jenny Romaniuk from the Herrenberg Bass Institute of Marketing Science on that very topic. She says, each bit of knowledge you have sits in your memory as a node within a large network of ideas. When you encounter something for the very first time, if you pay sufficient attention, this experience can create a new node to represent this new bit of knowledge. This new node does not exist in isolation. It gets attached to your existing memory network. This idea of human memory is referred to as the collective associative network theories of memory. This process of building a network also describes how a brand is created in your memory. So you can see the nodes are super important to understand. We create nodes in our memories. And by showing too many icebergs that don't really connect with each other, you create confusion more than anything and you prevent those nodes to be created. And then she goes further. Memory network helps us to remember, imagine, infer, and solve problems from how to fix a broken window to ways to rehydrate after exercise. 
we mentally delve into our past until we reach something useful to apply in our present moment. If nothing useful emerges, we might seek out help from another source, hello Google, or just move to, onto another thought, if the idea or problem was of lesser importance. We rarely remember for the sake of remembering. We usually remember for a specific purpose. And for most categories, that purpose is to buy something to satisfy an open objective, such as hunger, thirst, self-expression, or something more prosaic, such as to kill in the floor. This idea of memory with a purpose is important, as it highlights that each time, some remembering will be more useful than others. Not all associations are equally useful in all situations. And so if you want to pass the great filters of getting remembered in playing situation, being shared and talked about to others, you must create nodes in people's memory. And if you're trying to show too many icebergs that don't connect with each other, with too many things that are way too wide, you are going to prevent to do just that. The third mistake I see a lot is basically to show complex icebergs that look very weird, that just nobody really understand that it's even an iceberg, right? And that is typically when we use complex words, uh, complex concept, trying to invent new categories with words nobody really understands. That I also believe comes from a place of fear. We are afraid that customers will think that we are dumb because we use two simple words. So instead we use jargon and super professional words that very few will understand. That takes a lot of processing power. That again is incredibly counterproductive. And serial entrepreneur Heaton Shah, who created Crazy Egg and Kissmetrics, has that to say on complexity. You're basically making a lot of assumptions about the understanding of the people who come to your website. And I would say that I wouldn't make those assumptions about the words that they know or they don't know or they understand or they don't. Because uh, a lot of times, like people come into looking for solutions and they don't even know the buzzwords. And so you make a lot of assumptions about someone else's knowledge when you start using really big words or using like industry lingo. And industry lingo these days also changes over time as the world changes. So I think some of those things are super uh, dangerous. So if you notice, a lot of companies that if you look around and you, you're in tech in some of these companies, some of them used to say AI on their homepage. You go to those same companies, if they're still around, a lot of them don't say AI on their homepage anymore. They don't say AI, they don't say machine learning, they don't say anything like that. Another good example is big data. Every website used to say big data. No website says big data now. Not one I've seen in many years, four or five years ago, even eight, nine years ago, so many websites said big data. But now big data doesn't mean anything. Now AI doesn't mean anything. AI is also a commodity in great part. Big data, anyone can have big data. <laughs> So these things, like they disappear over time. And that means that you're going to be challenged with having to figure this out over and over again, unless you get to like some real fundamentals about how to describe what you're doing. So I think those are like some really good examples from tech, at least, where certain terminology was really hot, and then it disappeared. And this is evidence that like the more complicated you get or buzzwordy you get, the less longevity. There's also research cleverly called Consequences of errors vernacular utilize irrespective of necessity, problems with using long words needlessly. It's a very cool research that suggests that the use of complex words make you look dumber, not smarter. And part of the research says the effect is extremely robust. Needless complexity leads to negative evaluation. And then the fourth mistake is to try to throw the iceberg to your customer's face directly without them coming to it. 
we tend to expect way too much straight away from our customers. We think they know everything about our product and category and company. And so we put everything in front of them. We expect them to buy a very expensive product without knowing us first. We expect them to sign up to an mailing list without really knowing whether or not they can trust you or expecting to buy from the first visit. And again, that's also incredibly counterproductive. There are a lot of psychology uh, principle behind it. One of the main one is the foot in the door principle that basically says that in order to get people to warm up to you, in order for them to do something that takes a lot of time or energy or resources, you need to start with something small. You put your foot in the door and then you're able to then go faster. The other principle that I want to kind of talk about briefly is really about this principle of satisficing, which is a mix of satisfaction and sufficiency. And it's a made of word that basically talk about the fact that humans don't go around creating spreadsheets, comparing all the products out there in a specific category to try to pick the very best, objectively speaking. Instead, they satisfy by choosing the least uncertain option. That's how we've evolved to survive. And the least uncertain option for someone who doesn't know you is to basically skip and move away. So the right solution to this problem of this iceberg. The fact that only roughly 12.5% will be shown, the fact that you can't just show the entire iceberg, is to use all your resources possible to build and maintain the sharpest, most solid, most congruent tip of the iceberg possible so that you pass the four great filters of marketing to be noticed, to be remembered, to be remembered in buying situations and to be talked about. And in this tip, there are five elements that I think should be included at all times. And if you have nailed that part, the rest gets much, much easier. The first element in that tip is the one value proposition. You can call it the single-minded proposition, the message, the brand promise, it doesn't matter. It's the thing that makes people say, yeah, I'm interested, give me more. The second element is the segment, the underserved segment. That's something we talked about in episode nine and 10. The third one is the category is the box your product and your company is in so that people can create memory notes quickly. The fourth element is the gift. It's the thing you offer before you expect people to buy from you or subscribe. You need to give first before anything else. And the fifth one, the last one, is what I would say is the spice. Is the one thing that makes it too something. It's just something that people notice that doesn't taste like water because water doesn't taste like anything, right? You want to make sure that you have something that is spicy in one dimension so that people notice you, remember you. Because if you have a great value prop, a good segment, a good category, but you don't have that element, it might fall flat because it might look like everyone else's. And then once you have that, once you have created this very solid congruent tip, the aim of the game is to make sure that the entire iceberg is congruent, to make sure that you simplify and remove as much as possible of things that don't fit with those five elements. And yes, it takes energy, it takes mental kind of fitness, it takes gut to do it, but it's so incredibly important. And once you have that, you show up consistently with marketing campaigns, all pointing towards the same tip, all focused on giving the best first impression possible to people that you seek to serve. So let me share with you a few examples before I go into kind of the step-by-step -step of those five elements of the tip. So everyone has marketers. The value would be learning to stand the fuck out. The segment will be risk takers who are sick of marketing bullshit. The category would be radical differentiation. More in the wider term will be probably marketing, marketing advice. The gift that I offer is the newsletter and the podcast. 
And the spice element would be that probably the brand is too aggressive for some, right? It's too out there, too much curse words, too much intensity. It's not for everyone. Another example would be Four Sigmatic. They sell mushroom-based coffee. Their value is that you can get energy to focus without the crash that comes with traditional coffee. The segment would be roughly people who need to be productive. The category is mushroom-based coffee. The gift that they offer, which I think could be much better, is 10% of the first order, 20% of uh, with subscription. The spiciness of it is that it's too weird, right? And they play with that a lot. They play with that idea of mushrooms that people think, ah, it's too weird to have mushrooms in coffee, right? Uh, for example, in the FAQ, they say, are these magic mushrooms? We think so. They help your body do many things, but hallucinate is not one of them. Another example would be Shanty Biscuits, which is a French company. Their value is that it's an original way to enjoy your best moments. The segment is French women who want to celebrate in style. The category is they are selling actually personalized French biscuits, right? With the, like personalized words on them. The gift, the core thing that they offer before asking anything in return is a very funny Instagram account that is followed by a lot of people. And I would say that the spice of that tip is that they are too saucy, right? They play a lot with that. So one of the things they say, for example, on their website will be the biscuits for dumping your boyfriend, celebrating a birthday, announcing a birth, declaring your love, proposing, insulting your friends, confessing to screwing up, coming out, simply enjoying your best moments. Another one would be pet doors, which is like completely different category, obviously. The value would be that they give your dog complete freedom. Segment will be dog owners living in a home. Category will be pet doors. Their gift is free shipping. Again, I think they can do much better, but that's another topic. The spice will be there's just too many of them. Like they have the single biggest collection of pet doors out there. And you might argue that this is it. And then finally, a big example that I know is mentioned a lot, but Red Bull. Their value is that it gives you wings. The segment would be young, middle, upper class folks who want energy to party, who want energy to do their thing, who want to look cool. The category would be energy drink. Their gift, in one word, would be entertainment. They sponsor Formula One, cliff diving, soccer. They give you stuff to enjoy. The spice would be that it's too disgusting. It tastes like shit, but it's a good connection with the prattful effect that admitting a weakness means that there's always a strength on the other side. And the fact that it tastes like shit implies that it must give you wings because something that tastes great and also gives you energy, sound too good to be true. So now that you have those examples, I just want to share the step-by-step. -step. So step one is to identify one underserved segment. I talked about that at length in episode nine, in one specific category. I talked about that in episode 10. Remember the concept of satisfying. What is the least uncertain option in your opinion? A copywriter? or a copywriter who specializes in the death industry, for example. When we pick the least uncertain option, we want to make sure that we don't take many risks. Right? We will, as humans, make sure that we spend a big amount of time trying to remove as much uncertainty as possible. And so to really focus your attention in a specific category for a specific segment, you help them to satisfy because you help them to give something that is the least uncertain. Step two is to come up with one core value proposition. You can call it again, brand promise, single-minded proposition, key message, it doesn't matter. The core is that it's the intersection of what your core segment care about the most and what you do best. And it's something that is painful, like a bleeding neck problem, right? It's something that is potent. It's either about surviving or thriving, right? In the book, Value Proposition Design, uh, they have a few diagrams where they share like how to kind of 
classify the pain in terms of severity from moderate to extreme. And that's kind of I visualize all the time. You can visualize a vertical line where you put the pain and, and classify them using post-its or whatnot in terms of from moderate to extreme. And that's the core of it, right? And it takes time and experience to go through this, but you need to pick one and it needs to be potent. It needs to be big. It needs to be really about something that will make them, you know, try your stuff right now. So here is an example about that value proposition and how that worked for pet doors. And that's the conversion copywriter Momoko Price who talked about it on the podcast a while back. And then when we talked to the customer survey, like we uh, surveyed the customers, they said the number one benefit that they got from buying from petdoors.com is that they, it was the resilience. Like it was the, um, um, how durable and how, like what good quality it was and all that stuff. So there was like this very clear overlap between like what people wanted and what people got, but they didn't, but the website copy was getting in the way of that flow. Right. So all we had to do was just come up with a value proposition that like opened that up and showed, you know, that yes, you will get exactly what you're looking. The number one thing you're looking for is like durable weather type pet doors and you need, you know, an obscure part that like not everyone has like, you can get it here. And then since then, they've gotten like, oh, I can't remember. I have the case study. Hold on. I know that when we ran the tests, we ran a couple of tests back to back and we ended up getting like a 51% increase in transaction rate and like a 92% increase in like revenue per visitor or something like that. Step three is to come up with a gift. And so the concept of a gift is not something that you give away for free necessarily. That's not what it is about. Some ads can actually be gift if they educate or entertain. It's really about giving something first. It's about being generous in one way, shape or form. It's about not expecting for people to just buy from you without you giving first. And it's really at the core of the reciprocity principle. So a few ways to think about it in terms of generosity. Is this gift, does it feel risky to share it? Are people in your industry usually afraid of sharing it? Is it going to help your market reach that goal, solve that pain, basically go towards that value that you've identified? Does it give them status? Does it make them feel better than others? Does it give them a story to tell themselves or others? Does it alleviate boredom? You know, think about the entertainment of Red Bull, for example. It also needs to be connected, that gift. It needs to be something that you could lean on the knowledge and audience of others, uh, especially the ones who influence your customers. It needs to be something valuable if others potentially share uh, with others. Now, it doesn't have to be just like generous and connected and all of that together, but those are principles you can look into. And then is it at least something that could be used for for a long time? Is it going to be valuable in five years from now? Is it maintenance-free? Can it be turned into a series? So remember all the gifts I shared earlier. Like this is something that you must give in order to receive. And that's really a principle that will stand the test of time. Step four is to come up with a distinctive spice. That's something you need to pay very close attention to. And one thing that I would encourage you to do is to pick a few companies, a few brands, a few artists that you really admire because they are so different and look at what they're doing and what they are not doing. Look at all the sacrifice they must have done in order to achieve that. Look at all the things that they're doing and think about the one dimension that they're going all in in, that is just too something. So to quote Rory Sutherland, who's the author of Alchemy and the vice chairman of the Ogilvy Group, he says, quite simply, all powerful messages must contain an element of absurdity, illogicality, costliness, disproportion, inefficiency, scarcity, difficulty, or extravagance. 
because the rational behavior and talk, for all their strength, convey no meaning. And Seth Godin says something very similar. He said, real growth comes from products that annoy, that offend, that are too expensive, that are too ugly, that are too cheap, that are too heavy, that are too complicated, that are too simple. So this is an incredibly important step. You want to go all in one direction. It needs to be too something. You can't please everyone. You don't even like everyone. So why do you expect everyone to like you? So you can look at that problem for a few different lenses, potentially. You can look at it from the alternative world's perspective. Look at what Tesla, Michael Jackson, Disney, Apple or Borat would do when they are solving this product. Look across pop culture and companies with strong values and culture. Look at the way they are basically being too something. You can do a bullshit remover lens where you think about how you can step back from the hyperbole and beyond truth. You can think about it from a scarcity perspective. Can you make a collectible version of the product? What would it look like? You can think about it from a luxury perspective. Are there attributes that are considered luxurious, expensive, or for the elite that you can bring to the masses? You can look at it from the caricature standpoint. If you're trying to make a caricature of the category, what would it look like? And so you can see that it's not as easy to explain as just step-by-step, step, this is how to do you know, your SEO and rank on Google. It requires creativity. It requires deep thinking in terms of what is the one attribute that will make us spicy? What is this attribute that will make people notice us and really go all in in the direction? And that's step five. Step five is incredibly important. Once you've come up with that tip of the value, the segment, the category, the spice, the gift, audit the current journey, the current thing that you are showing to the world from the perspective of the customer. And once you look at it from this perspective, from afar, from you see the full journey, you need to ruthlessly remove anything that contradicts basically the tip of the iceberg because the iceberg must be whole and congruent. It needs to remove anything that contradicts your value, the category you're in, the segment, the gift you offer and the spice. Removing is so important. And again, I can bet that when you look at companies you admire that are very different, pay attention to what they are not doing. Pay attention to what they are not doing. That's so, so important. Now, if there is things that match, that are congruent with your core value, that are congruent with your core segment, the core category, but don't fit in the tip, then this is when you move it down the funnel, right? This is what the entire thinking about funnel works. You first introduce them with something, the core gift, and then you introduce them with more products. And then once you have built a relationship, you can say more things, you can explain more things, you can introduce more products, but it shouldn't come at the expense of passing through the great filters. So you can identify things that you need to move down and remove maybe from the homepage, remove from the things you say and say, well, let's start with that. And once they start the relationship with us, we can go down. Just to give you a quick example with everyone Heights marketers, we have the podcast and newsletter first. Then once you sign up, you get a free email course. But then I invite you to join my program, Stand the Fuck Out, that is running every six months to teach folks to radically stand out. But I don't talk about it straight away. I wait. And that's the core of kind of thinking about it in terms of funnel, in terms of breaking through the filter. You need to start with the tip of the iceberg, the 12.5%. Involve your customer-facing staff, do user tests, do interviews, whatever it takes to remove as much as you can from that so it stays congruent. Again, remember about those memory nodes. Remember about the way to be noticed. You can't taste like water. You need to take some risk. Now, if you have too many products and you can't really pick, I would suggest you to group them by job, or category, do the emotional labor on behalf of your customers. And then the last step, step six, is to show up 
consistently without changing anything for years, literally. Right? And so if you're listening to this and you're part of a bigger company and you struggle to understand how that analogy of the iceberg works, well, any campaigns that you're doing must connect with that chip, right? Anything must go back to that one single focal point because you likely don't have the resources to spend on all of this at the same time. You can't waste your energy sharing too many things, sharing too many icebergs, throwing the iceberg at people's face. It's really about all of those campaigns must connect with the core idea. Now, it doesn't have to be literal. You don't have to say the same thing. It needs to be lateral. It needs to be a gift or something that educates people, entertain them, that connects with the tip of the iceberg. So you're not Coca-Cola or Apple or whatever, or Red Bull, right? If you're listening to this, you're not number one in your category. Even if you have a lot of resources, simplifying and removing in order to build that sharp, shiny, precise tip of the iceberg is probably the best advice I can give you in order for you to go through the four great filters. So as a summary, work hard to create the shiniest, sharpest, most precise tip of the iceberg. Focus on one value, one segment, one category, one gift, one spice. This is your best chance to be noticed, to be remembered, to be remembered in buying situations, to be talked about. You need to remove, 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 simplify, simplify, simplify in order to stay congruent and to have a massive but very congruent iceberg. And your people that you seek to serve will thank you for that because you will simplify things for them and do the emotional labor on your behalf. And then once you have that, show up consistently across campaigns, across everything, so that your tip of the iceberg is the focal point. And once you have that, make sure to that you build the rest of the funnel, obviously. But you've done the hardest. You've attracted people. You've created memory nodes in their brain. Now it's about introducing them to more stuff. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'm pouring my heart and soul into this. Uh, it will mean a lot to me if you check out the newsletter that goes with this podcast at everyonehatesmarketers.com. I send this newsletter every Tuesday. It's packed with very practical, step-by-step, actionable ways for you to radically stand out. And when you sign up, you also get access to a free eight-lesson course on the same topic. All right, see you on the other side. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said your content attacks the mind primarily which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do but we don't have the courage to do it our way Mark who just subscribed a couple uh, days before said this is my first issue of your newsletter love it glad I subscribed Brianna said I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one came through the list two select all unread industry email except yours three delete and don't think twice four quickly scheme yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. 
Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.